wish it fumbled and fruit was better. I wish we all would get banned from Twitter. I wish hip hop didn't rule for killers. I wish police didn't shoot to killers. I wish that I could dance like Thriller. I wish everybody knew my guy the hell up the cancer killer. Wish I could switch out to pepper for lick up, protect some livers. Wish my dogs would say, from Bristol's they face. Wish our world wasn't programmed to see thug on my face. Wish I knew it'd be better for my kids. They wouldn't grow up with violence. Wish our leaders were qualified to get more than dollar signs. If I have to, we can skip the hassle. Show you what them facts do. They say he a natural, but we need supernatural. We need supernatural. The way he acts, though, it seems so supernatural. I know some churches are filled with villains. Living for them dollar bills, they stealing. I wish you see all the men and women. Really living by what his wills revealing. I wish nobody was tricked in the thick of Jesus is what Republicans be feeling I'm glad he's coming again, revealing his sins, the villain Aye. I wish I'd pray more often, by surviving his cave, I'm tossing I know he listening, you can tell by what it costs If he turns on my mic, and tunes into the sound bite I hope my prayer sound right, my soldier might sound like if I have to, we can skip the asshole Show you what them facts do They said he a natural But we need supernatural We need supernatural The way he acts do It seems so supernatural Natural, natural We need supernatural You can check the facts too We need supernatural Yo, we need supernatural We need supernatural <laughs> Check the math too, bro We need supernatural Hello and welcome to another episode of 6060. In this episode we are returning to Revival Culture Now for a part two of um, going through being more brain in regards to uh, how this summer was going from the last one. Um, as you probably guessed I will find it very difficult going through that last episode and um, Especially not more recently, there's a, I think it's the curse of the YouTube algorithm. Um, you look into one thing and then you get a flurry of other things around it. So um, since the last posting, um, there has been one video that uh, popped up on my on my list of um, videos in towards like the algorithm of things to watch, and um, it was in regards to um, Jonathan Ferguson with a more recent, um, more recent sermon that he did. Um, it like I'll be understand that I've been trying to be very neutral. Um, with regards to how I navigated the um, navigate this video and hopefully many other videos in the future, but um, this one made things a lot more difficult to um, say the least. It yeah, it kind of made things a little bit more problematic than I thought it would, um, in the sense that. 
like during description authority might not be actually a thing. <sighs> yeah, it was uh, brought into highlight. I'll I'll play it. Um, it. I probably have to put a disclaimer on this one because um, it's it's skirting on the the verge of things you shouldn't necessarily say in films <laughs> uh, like this. So I'll probably have to plop that on on this one specifically. Um, I'll play it so you can get an idea. Um, I think he's talking about uh, Nicodemus in this one, but he uses a play on words to kind of stress a point on a particular thing, um, which kind of made me think, okay, I might, like we were trying to be mindful and discerning with regards to things that are being said in the first episode of this, but it seems as if it might even have to be heightened as we continue on through. Um, again, this is by no means a uh, like a mid a mudslinging sort of thing, but it's just a case of well, like this has been posted on the internet, it's been approved, um, and you know they're totally happy with what's been said for everybody to see. It kind of shows like a red flag. But I'll do so. Um, I'll let you hear it at least, and then we'll we'll move straight on in. Look, look at death and call life back into bodies. When you have seen the supernatural, you say what God tell you to say, and you don't care what other people have to say about it. There are bishops right now, they watch the replay, snicking Nicodemus himself, and gave me no hearts, no comments, but want to hear the word of the Lord. Nick, Nicodemus, you thought I said something else. Listen, I got the Holy Ghost. <laughs> oh, it's going to be short for Nicodemus. Oh, uh, uh. Nick, that means you're hiding in church. Nick, that means you're scared to lose your influence. Cause you ain't got the real all, Nick. Huh? Anything that got more than them in the spirit, they come in hiding. They come in private. See the move of God and won't even be a part of it because they want their position, prestige, royalty, book sales. That's a Nick. Field Nickus and house Nickus. House Nickus preach and ain't got no power. Oh dear. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that kind of says it all um, and again it's the annoying thing of YouTube algorithm you know you bring one thing up and then all of a sudden these other things start flooding through but I guess it's useful in the sense that um, I might have to take certain things with a, a grain of salt so like if you were to like, I'm assuming the people in the audience fan is fine but there are a lot of red flags um, with that. Um, and I don't even think I need to, to delve too deeply into it. But then I guess there will be some people who will be, uh, who will feel offended at the fact that I might find a problem with that. But it's a case of, you know, these people are proclaiming to be ministers of God and they are trying to, you know, they're there to, to lead God's people and to, to guide them like a shepherd does his flock of sheep. I don't see how this sort of thing can be beneficial to those in the in the congregation. And then it also gives off this vibe of uh, like a sort of um, national sort of, not nationalist, but um, I guess like a sort of like tribal sort of territorial sort of thing that, like, you know, we're on the right. Um, 
we're on the right track because we experience these things and anyone who comes against us obviously doesn't have the same thing or you know they're weak and it's obviously skirting on the um skirting on the on the edge of controversy with you know saying oh i'm not saying the n-word but then to use like you know those in the field and those in the house so you're making references to something that you say you're not talking about because you have the holy spirit but then you make references more references to solidify the thingy so it's just like yeah it's a yeah a difficult one um <laughs> i guess with that said um we'll move further into the original video that we're listening to um with regards to um this sermon with um, uh, talking about returning in uh, returning to his presence um i think as we left off i believe um preacher was going to be talking about hannah if i remember rightly um as you can see from the video the lady's still on the floor from the encounter that she's had with this preacher i guess well, i don't need to shed any more light on that because of what was said in the last one but um i guess we'll just go on from here and then we'll see where we can uh, see where we can take things and this is what i love you remember the story about hannah yeah. he said it was hannah it was hannah's brokenness that caused me to move for her i said it was hannah's brokenness that caused god to move for her how will god move for you tonight how will god move for you tonight we praised and we prayed and we danced and we worshiped but i'm telling you if you just break yourself before the lord i'm telling you if you just break yourself from the lord there is nothing that he will deny. He said, there's nothing that I would deny from those who break themselves. Go to this scripture, Psalms 51. I'm just gonna pause the video there. Um, so it gives me a chance to, to go to the same scripture that she's talking about. Um, so yeah, while we're looking for this, um, she, with Hannah. So like with Hannah, she didn't have a child. So she went to outside the temple because in that um, in that time women weren't allowed in the um in the in the temple. So she prayed just outside. Um it was a very deep prayer where um the priest Eli saw her but saw that you know her mouth was moving but um no sounds or words were coming out. So she's deeply praying, and then uh, Eli asks her, "Oh, you know, what is it your?" So she's like, "What is it you're praying about?" She explains, "You know, the situation." So you know, um, God has heard your heard your plea um, that you know she desired a son, and she said, "You know, if you if you give me a son, I will rededicate him to you." And this is where Samuel comes into the mix. Someone comes into the mix, he's um, given to Samuel, and given uh, Samuel's given to Eli to, to essentially um, help within the operations um, under the um, 
operations of the, the temple, but with under the guidance of Eli. Um, and obviously transpires that Eli is letting his sons run rampant in the midst of the church thing is so they're taking stuff from um those who are giving offerings um to the lord and they are um essentially like almost like muddying um the the sanctification of what is going on in the midst of all of that with their with their vile ways but in the midst of all of this Eli knows about it but he doesn't do anything about it so obviously while Samuel's sleeping um the Lord calls him several times and and each time he gets called he runs to Eli and says oh you know you called me he's like no I didn't call you go back to bed and it happens again it happens again it happens again and eventually Eli realizes that oh it might actually be the Lord who's um who's trying to to talk to you so when it happens again say um here i am um here i am lord your your servant is listening or something along those lines and eventually gives him the the lord tells him that you know these things are going to happen to to eli um sometimes because of the things that he has neglected to do then he obviously has to tell um tell Eli and then it all unfolds you know in the midst of all of this a, a nation comes um kills like yeah like just as um sorry prophesied that his sons will die because of their unfaithfulness but then um Eli also dies due to the the shock of hearing about his sons um the Ark of the Covenant is taken away but um Samuel also becomes um Great in the eyes of the Lord, he, he stays with him, he's obedient, and as he grows, um, he becomes a leader um, to some degree for, for Israel, and um, he brings, um, there's one point where he brings, um, calls unto the Lord, because they're being, um, the Israelites and all those who are around him are being, um, because they are persecuted or being chased by again by somebody by another nation God wipes them out and obviously Samuel then goes on to um as he goes on later in age he then begin um he anoints um David to be the next king of uh, after Saul so um so it might be good to like again with the context there seems you can draw out of that um which I guess she's kind of said that, you know, if, you know, if you petition God enough, you will, um, your, um, you know, desires might be met. Um, I guess with that, it depends on the sort of context she means, but, um, I guess there might be an element of truth in it, you know, um, if you are seeking the, the will of God on something and, you know, your desires are in line with his, those things will happen in accordance to his sovereign will. But it isn't the case of, you know, if I petition you long enough, I will get the Tundacific type I've always wanted sort of thing. So I think that I would say is almost at odds. But um, yes, yeah, she has gone back to, I think as I digress, um, she's going into Psalms 51. So um, 
It's not a particularly lengthy passage, but we'll find out where she's going with this one if we continue on. Psalms 51 and 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, thou would not despise. What does it mean to be broken? It means to be flexible. It means that you're so tender to the things of God that you can be in target and God to say, go pray for this person and you'll be moved with compassion. Oh God. Can God move you? See, when you're surrendered, you don't have a schedule. When you're surrendered, you don't have an agenda. When you're surrendered, it's never about you. But we've gotten so busy running our errands, doing our things, that God is trying, because he's such a gentleman, he'll just nudge us and say, go talk to that person. You're like, let me get my list, and I got to get out of here, I got to get home. He's like, Okay, so I thought I'd just listen to what she said in just regards to um, um, I guess I'll leave it to you guys. Like, if you look through, like she's quoted uh, seventeen. So my sacrifice, our God, is a broken spirit, broken a contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. Um, I don't know if I mentioned it on the last episode, but I guess when you're looking at a um, a good thing to do with navigating scripture is if you're going to use a verse, look at the chapter. If you're going to look at a chapter, then look at the, the book and it kind of like scales up so at least you get the context of what it's been used in. Um, so if we were to read the whole thing, um, like even at the, st- at the top, um, it says, For the director of music, a psalm of David, when the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with um, Bathsheba. So even that gives you a little bit more context as to what might be going on here. So it says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions, wash away my iniquity, cleanse me of sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. You are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, simple at the time of my mother conceived me. Yet your des- you yet you desired faithfulness in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have crushed, rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquity. Create me a pure heart, O oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast may don't do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn to you. Deliver me to deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O oh God. 
you who are my saviour, I got my you who are God my saviour, and my tongue will sing your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifices, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O Lord, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. God, you, God, will not despise. May it please you to uh, prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the, of the righteous, in burnt offerings offered whole. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. It's like even with this, like he's... Um, David is alluding to the fact that, you know, there is blood on his hands because not only has he he's taken a wife that wasn't his, but he also killed the husband of the person who uh, this wife was committed to. Um, and he's even giving us insight into the fact that when it comes to um, Jewish temple traditions, again, yeah, they would use sacrifices because sin would need an atonement via blood that would have to be shed in um in order to pardon the sin of us as individuals um but he's given a little insight into the fact that change like that sort of stuff happens externally but with understanding who christ is it's also an internal change so it's seeing what we've done wrong. It's like what repentance is. It's you know seeing that we've done wrong, being sorrowful over it, and it's like understanding that it really does appease God, and turning from it, and walking in the ways of the Lord as we grow, and we journey through our, our life, and um, our growth in sanctification, and as we go in the knowledge of His Word, that we are conformed more to the likeness of Christ through the Holy Spirit. Um, that kind of gives you like a, a better understanding of how that could be applied. Um, I think it might be a bit of a stretch with how um, Amanda's used it in this instance, and I'm hoping that I've definitely used, I think I've forgotten the name already. I'm assuming it's Amanda. Um, I hope it's Amanda anyway. Um, that, yeah, she might have used this out of context to, to prove a point. Um, but yeah, I just thought I would at least drop that little bit into you get a better understanding. Or, or let somebody be rude to you in the store. Oh, do they know who I am? But, but this person is suicidal. My food messed up. Let me take that. But this person is being abused. And he's crying. In the whisper, but we're so busy, and we're so busy that we can't hear his whisper. Because we're used to the shout and the praise and the war, but he wants to know, can I just go and pray for her? She just lost a baby. you just surrender to God. I feel his heart so strong. And we're like, let's do evangelism. Let's go to the streets. And he said, but you walk by 20 people every day. 
you never minister my love. So we gotta stay six feet apart. But do you trust that Jesus can protect you? And we put limitations on God because we're busy. Who in this room tonight says, God, no longer will I be too busy for you? No longer will I go on my schedule. No longer will I just go to the nail salon and, and not talk to anybody, to the barber shop. Do you realize souls are dying every day and going to hell? I begin to ask God and Sometimes he doesn't answer me. That's it, that's the burden for souls. I begin to ask God about certain people. And sometimes he doesn't answer me, sometimes he does. There are certain people that I ask and say, God, did this person make it in? Even, even one of my family members I recently asked, not my mom, thank God she, she made it, she's in the cloud, praise God. But another family member I say, God, did. Did this person make it in? And in the vision, I saw him go. But we're so busy. <sighs> okay. There's certain bits that I agree with in the sense that as Christians, we, too, we can get very lost in certain things and we neglect the way that we can be um, effective in how we disciple the nations um, both not only as individuals but also as a church like if we can get lost in the in the religion or in the traditions that we neglect the very simple things we can do like the fact that you can be in the midst of somebody who's hurting, but you know you you know in the word of God you might be able to lead that person through, but without having that relationship um, that the Bible seems to allude to, um, you might find that you know these things might happen because we're neglecting that sort of thing. I mean, obviously, like God is hovering. Um, but I guess we are still accountable for, for what we do. Um, even like the little that you think that you know is still helpful to another believer. And even like sharing the gospel with someone who doesn't know Jesus is like, it's, it's pretty, it seems simple, but it's like it carries a lot of power with regards to what God can do with his word, because like his word never returns to him void. Like the, we can't control who gets saved. That's very much in God's hands. He's chosen before the foundation of the earth, whose names are going to be written in the book of life. And they, those people he'll draw to himself. Um, but we do, by his grace, have a part to play in bringing that message to somebody. So the fact that we've been changed by that very same message, we should feel motivated to share that message with others. And you kind of see it in the letters to the churches or to particular people that say like Paul 
had um, had appointed to look after certain churches, or maybe even like um, to like James and other books, where it's just like there should be this environment where Christians can come together and they can share the load of what they're dealing with, with the unity they have in Christ, and they can use the Word of God as a as the foundation and also the direction in how to deal with each and every situation. Um, that bit, I agree with what she's saying there, but then she's muddied it up with her prophecy sort of thing. Oh, you know, God told me that um, this was happening and this was happening, this was happening. Is that like, okay? Um, how does that run in line with scripture? I guess it's, and then, you know, having visions like, oh, I saw God say no on this person. It's like, well, you know, even scripturally, there's red flags in regards to things like that. Um, so it's, I think she would have to be more careful if she understood the gravity of the things that she was saying. And it does seem to be, and it's not for me to be sound too critical, but it does seem to be leaning on this like emotional thing, because you can see how those in the audience um, are being moved by what she said. Um, but it's almost as if like you have to like she is carrying the authority in this sense you know she's up in the word of God she said certain things obviously when thus says the Lord the authority um, of the word is almost um, if we use the word embellished or it's like it is he, projected or probably is probably a better word um, for the person who then speaks from the Bible. But then, if she's saying things like this, it almost then neglects as well. You could, the, the logical level would be, I don't need my Bible because this person is hearing and seeing things directly from God. But then it's like, well, how do you discern whether it, these things are actually truly from God? The only thing you could do is to go back to the Word of God. But I don't know whether this is something that is present within this church, especially with like the things that we've heard already um, in different pockets. Um, so I would say if I was sitting there, I would probably, like, I certainly wouldn't go as far at all to say, you know, God has told me, because what, what grounding do I have to be able to say that that is verifiable? I wouldn't say there's a lot, um, so I, I, I say I struggle with it, but I also would say it's 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 dangerous with that sort of thing. Um, but we'll carry on through. I thought I'll just drop that in. And we're so mighty, and we're so, and we have the nerve to say, "Let me evangelize to the celebrities." When you got people walking right by you who need to know about Jesus, and you, it doesn't matter if you're in the pulpit, people need to feel this love and this heart. And this compassion, who have you just hugged and said, I love you. I don't even know you. And I sat there and I cried. And this one family member, I said, she didn't make it in. She was in church all her life. 
said she had a form of godliness. Oh, we're too busy. But God, I work a job. But when was the last time you went to your job and said, can we just have lunch together and talk about the Lord? Because our spirituality has been limited to a church building. And we don't realize that we carry resurrection power in our belly. So when you're at work and someone walks by you and they've been dealing with depression and you have that power on the inside of you to get them free. How could you just sit there? So I've been weeping for hours in brokenness. And some of you after tonight, you're gonna feel a fiery passion to talk about Jesus wherever you go. Acts 3 and 19, write this down. Okay, just gonna go to that scripture as well. Acts 3 and 19. Oh, okay, that didn't work. Acts 3. Because real repentance is real brokenness. Acts 3, 19. Does anyone feel that presence? Oh, it's increasing in this room tonight. It says, repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And we've said that scripture so much, but we only skip to the B version. At times of refreshing are in the presence of the Lord. But how many of you know that if you really want to go deeper in God, repentance is necessary or you will be illegal. Oh, I don't have anybody to say amen. Sorry, I didn't quite catch what she said. It's a little on the quiet end with this, but I'm... With depression. And you have that power on the inside of you and be converted. That your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And we've said that scripture so much, but we only skip to the B version. At times of refreshing, are in the presence of the Lord. But how many of you know that if you really want to go deeper in God, repentance is necessary or you will be illegal? Okay. Um, so, going into Acts 3, um, To paraphrase, we like from from one to ten, 
um, you have Peter and John who are walking amongst the um, on top of the temple. There he, you know, there's a man who is lame. As you know, he was like, you know, um, asking for money or for arms, and he says, oh, you know, look at us. We haven't got anything, like in terms of like money. But what I do have, um, I will give you. And then they perform a miracle to verify that they have been um, sent from God. And yeah, sent from God to be apostles with the message. Um, the signs and wonders were used as a way to verify that they were definitely of him and nobody else. Um, and that the, you know, the message had was, was genuine. Because people saw that um, the man was walking and praising God, they recognized him, that, like he was the same person who'd been sitting at the gate beautiful for ages. Um, obviously that would have drawn um, people's attention. And then um, it says like from verse 11, while uh, the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said, said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we have made this man work? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, was glorified in his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate. Though he had decided to let him go, you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that the, the murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith, in the name of Jesus, this man who you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him. As you can see, now fellow Israelites, I know that you have acted in ignorance as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that the Messiah would suffer. Repent and turn to God so that your sins might be wiped out, that the times of refreshing may come from the Lord, that he may send that you may send the Messiah who was appointed to you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything, as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among his own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who had spoken have foretold these days, and you are heirs of the prophets and the covenant of God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all people, all peoples on the earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent them first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. So it's um, like from this, you can see that she's not wrong in, in the sense where, you know, repentance is definitely something significant and important that we need with regards to um, growing in our relationship with Christ and being conformed to his image. Um, like we're always going to come to a junction in the road where we have to choose between, you know, 
the things we hold dear to, or Christ. And through that sanctification process, we should always be seeking Christ. But if it's a case where you might choose just um, something other than Christ, then you know that you've you've got an idol in your life. Because um, those he loves, he prunes, um, and those he loves, he chastises. Um, can't remember where that's been taken from. So you could even check that as a little bit of homework. But you do see these repeated thing of the gospel messages. We are eyewitnesses to everything that you've, um, everything that you have done, and everything that Christ has done. But all of this has happened in accordance to God's will that we might be saved. So therefore, repent of all the things that you have done that is um, offensive in His sight, and He'll make you new. He'll refresh you. He will make you whole um, spiritually and things like that. Um, again, it, if you read just the verse on its own, um, I think best said it best was like if you take a, the text out of context, it becomes a pretext. And a pretext is essentially like a narrative that wasn't necessarily um, truthful from the beginning or in the midst of that, um, in that literature. Or in that instance, um, so it's like going through each kind of just adds that extra, um, extra context as to what's going on in that point because it, like the Book of Acts is obviously uh, a very amazing book where you see that the gospel being preached and how the apostles um, are the apostles in the church is growing. Uh, the apostles managing a church that is growing exponentially, but then also the friction between those who hold on to the religion and the traditions of the Jewish um, the Jewish faith um, are persecuting those who are coming from, not only from uh, Judaism, but also from different pockets of the world. So, um, yeah, I would certainly would encourage you, if you're going to use a passage of scripture to read the whole thing, so then you can give the whole story. Let's get straight back in you. Oh, I don't have anybody to say amen. I'm going to read this encounter that I had a few years ago, and it still shakes me. Listen to this. He said, daughter, many people that I've chosen have gone astray. Listen, many strong prophets and apostles that I've raised up have veered into a spirit of divination. They are prayed to go into a deeper place but they haven't prayed into a deep level of repentance, along with closing that door to the sin. Therefore, they've opened themselves up to another spirit. Listen, many ask for forgiveness mm, with no intention to close the door to sin. Can you imagine that? You just say you're sorry because you just want to or because you've been told to without having any intention of closing the door many of them have fallen into traps of pride love and money and perversion and so they have gone deeper but they haven't gone deeper in me i apologize for keep stopping this thing but again she's she's again going on this thing that like you know god has told her that he's raising up apostles and prophets to do a particular work. Does she have scripture to back that up? 
exchanges have been this like God's told the listing directly, but we understand from previous conversations that there are no new apostles today. There was always the twelve plus the one, which was Paul. But you know, even like in I believe it's like in Revelation where it talks about the um the pillars, there being twelve of them, which is signifying um, um symbolizing the five five goodness me <laughs> the twelve disciples and the fact that you know the prophets and the apostles were the foundation of which the church was built on so it's just like well if i compare scripture to what you're saying is god lying in his word when he's telling you these other things or is the information you're getting coming from somewhere else it throws questions like that out but i don't see um, I could, I could have just paused it where there's people are just looking. They're not necessarily like in the word to sort of like check to see whether it's consistent or anything like that. I don't know whether there's conversations afterwards. I don't know. But then again, going through the video that we had before, I don't think that this is a normative experience where the people are discerning or being more brain in terms of checking to see what was said is true and things like that. Um, yeah, it's a. I'd say it's sort of like another red flag. But um, I'll let her continue. I said, but they haven't gone deeper in me. They have gone deeper into a familiar spirit. Tell my people to posture themselves for repentance and shutting up doors to anything that isn't holy. Then and only then will they ascend into the high places of glory. If not, they will become workers of witchcraft although they are preachers in the pulpit. Repentance allows you to distinguish yourself. I hear people all the time and say, you know, I'm just trying to reach people for the culture, be for the culture. I have to reach people. You know, Jesus sat with sinners, it's true, he did. But what did it say when it says that he sat with sinners? It said that he sat with them to lead them to repentance. If you call yourself wanting to be for the culture, sit with the culture, but everybody around you is not saying, what do I have to do to be saved? Then is it really for the culture or are you just trying to blend in? Real holiness is distinguished. Real holiness is set apart. And I feel like people have giving us a fake sense of Christendom and telling us things like, go win the souls. Go tell them that we're just normal. You're not just normal. You have resurrection. You're not just normal. You are a supernatural being. I walk around with the resurrection power on the inside of me. How dare I walk around saying that I'm normal? I'm not normal. And I'm proud not to be normal. I don't want to look like the world, sound like the world, dress like the world, talk like the world. I want to be distinguished from the world. Uh, again, I apologize for stopping this so often. Because <laughs> I guess it's... Um, if we started this at 1 hour 39 minutes, now we're at 1 hour 50 minutes, it, doesn't, it feels as if like a, an entire thing has gone by. But it's just the... It's this constant pendulum swing of saying something that's generally true 
and swinging back to something that causes a red flag, swinging to something that's generally true and swinging back. So like I agree with her, the fact that, you know, Christians should stand out. There should be like a clear cut mirror line between the two, um, between an unbeliever and a believer. Um, if you are questioning who is the believer in that room, then there is a red flag. Like light and darkness don't mix, there's very much a separation. If they're mixed, then you wouldn't be able to send the two. Like, um, but you go back to light and darkness sort of thing, it's, you should be able to discern the two. Like, oh, there's a clear cut difference between someone who is a believer and who's not a believer. If you're coming in and saying that you are a believer and you're trying to, like she's saying, you know, try and reach the culture, do the things that they do, then you undermine the sufficiency of scripture and you don't, and you under, um, undervalue the, um, the power of what can, God can do through his word. Um, so I, I can agree with that, but then like she's saying, you know, we're supernatural beings. What does she mean by supernatural beings? Because that could be going into like the new age theology or like the the little god sort of thing. But, um, like we are, we do have a uh, we do have a spirit, do have a soul. Um, we also have the Holy Spirit within us. But then that's getting a little too, like it, I think Charles Spurgeon says it best, it's like, um, it's, the discernment isn't um, necessarily um, knowing the difference between right and wrong, it's knowing the difference between right and almost right. And I would say that that was almost getting on the edge. So like that would kind of need more clarification. I don't know what she meant by that or whether she'll even try and um, explain it a little bit further. But, um, I wouldn't say we're, we'll say we're spiritual by the nature of think, how we do things or, um, or and we have a certain spirit within us, but to say anything we're supernatural, I'm not so sure of. Um, we'll continue on and I'll try not to talk as much. Daniel was in the most perverse and wicked place. But what did it say? Daniel decided that he shall not defile himself. We've tried so hard to fit in and to blend in and to look in and to talk in that we have allowed ourselves to be defiled and nasty. There was a time, sit down, there was a time my mom would go and get her hair done. This was uh, maybe right after I got saved. And when she would go in to get her hair done, all of a sudden the hairstylist would change the radio station say ma'am try very hard not to use profanity and I would just sit back and watch and it wasn't her age because there were other people that were there it was something that was on my mind that allowed a holiness to come into the room that literally when her body stepped foot in the room the atmosphere changed something's wrong with your time in God when you don't walk in the room and the atmosphere doesn't change when you walk in the room and everyone's still cussing and lying and using profanity, that means that that presence didn't come in with you. Because when the real presence is in you, something about the people will start saying, let me clean up my mouth. And I can tell you, it's not the clergy, it's not the clergy collar that makes people respect you, it's the presence. We've gotten it wrong, we feel like, oh, 
I went to Bible school and I have a degree. No, how did God affirm and confirm people through miracles, signs, and wonders? That is the sign that you're living a real supernatural life. What do you have following you? Do you have miracles, signs, and wonders? Or what is your degree actually doing for you? When was the last time your theology degree raised anybody from the dead? When was the last time your theology degree made too much dry up? God is saying tonight, I don't care if you don't have a degree. The people that's in this room tonight, God is saying, I'm empowering you to go out there. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall you cast out devils. In my name shall you heal the sick. When you walk in the room, my presence shall be with you. When you walk in the room, my presence presence shall follow you when you walk in the room my presence sit down okay <sighs> so i guess we're kind of like playing tennis at this point because obviously i've specified the fact that um you know basically how um these signs and wonders, like she's not wrong in terms of like signs and wonders were there to affirm who God was sending out. But then he was talking to the apostles when these things happened, because you don't see these same things happening with those who are being saved in the congregation of the church. So like if you go to Acts 2, the apostles spoke in languages that um, everybody could understand at that point. But then when you get towards the end of it, it's like, um, Thousands of people were saved, but there's no account of signs and wonders happening amongst them. Um, but you see these signs and wonders following the apostles as they um, as a journey as with the expansion of the church and the Holy Spirit is equipping them to be able to to do exactly that, and then to um, I'm not and I'm not even saying like I'm offended that you know she's saying you know you got this theology degree and all these things are going on because I haven't got one myself, to be fair. But I've kind of seen the fact that, you know, she's... We're kind of in the same boat where, like, she knows probably as much as I do, but then I'm... Or, like, people who use, like, the exegetical message and things like that are careful to make sure they're not reading into Scripture and all these other things, where she's kind of like... um reading into stuff and then using it to turn on people that I'm assuming she doesn't like. Um, I don't want to say that, to be fair, um, again, and it's only because of this this particular video, there's other things that have come up um, related to this. I think um, with regards to Marcus Rogers, I think he's attended this church at one stage and he's um, he's done messages and things like that. But there was one where he was talking about, um, you know, You don't need to study this. You don't need to study it. It's all just head knowledge. It's all just head knowledge. But then his use of scripture is very poor. And that's not just me trying to, you know, have shots. It's just like, if you were to compare what he was doing with, um, with scripture and then the conclusions he draws from it, they are, they aren't consistent. They aren't consistent at all. Like he even says like, you know, um, cause he's the one that's Pentecostal in a sense. So he's just like, you know, um, or he believes like a form of modalism. So, He's, but his argument for it is you don't see the word trinity in the bible you don't see it there but then like say like dr james white says the same as well if that's the case then um 
why would you use the word Bible? Because the word Bible is not in the Bible, but you use that word. Um, your Bible has English words in there, but obviously the English was not the language that we used, that was used in the days of Jesus. It was a different language. So it's a case of like you, the, the teaching stuff enables you to be very disciplined with how you navigate scripture and allows you to carry that same message that the author had intended the recipient to receive that um, we can get as close to that being so far removed from the events of the Bible that we can um, apply it to us, say, our, our lives as well. So it's, um, it's interesting that she said that because I guess it kind of goes with the, with the movement where in certain aspects, um, and it's not to say that all Pentecostals are like that in any way, they're all charismatics, but um, it tends to lean more on spiritual experience than it does on scriptural authority or adherence to that. Um, so you would um, circumvent the Bible in order to experience something, but then not go back to the Bible to verify whether it's consistent with it. Um, so even like that in of itself is in like a a discussion to, you know, I guess even like um, it's been brought up on like one of the teasers regards to the Strange Fire Conference. Um, that's something that um, those in the like reform cessations groups kind of um, discuss. That's something that might be something we'll go into at some point. I'm not sure. Oh, well, I guess because I kind of put it out, it'll have to happen eventually. But it's just finding the right time and the way, the right way of going through that. But um, I guess it's trying to find the the balance between. Working in the, in the gifts, like in the church gifts that are given to us, um, to to edify, to educate, and to prepare for evangelism and to disciple, while also growing deep and um, solidified in God's word. So then we can also not only teach those um, who are coming up, but also to discern right from wrong and to um, keep false doctrine available to stop us from getting into error and things like that. Um, I guess it's trying to find a middle ground on that spectrum, but um, I guess yeah, on the far extreme, it could be just hate knowledge on the one side, but then the other side, it's just like, I think Vodibach can put it down as saying it was um, anti-intellectualism. Anti or mysticism where it's just like we don't need our brains in order to work these things out because we've got the spirit to discern whatever and whatever I said well there are scriptures that kind of show you like like in Timothy it's like study to show yourself approved like the Bereans listen to everything that um Paul had said and all well, the apostles had said but then it still went away to check to make sure that from the um the literature that they had in regards to like the old testament to find out that what he was saying was completely true um with a told you know to like renew our mind and to you know to love god with all our uh, heart soul and mind and things like that um the mind is very 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 important like god has given us these brains like the fact that we can go out and study to be a mechanic or to study to be an engineer or you know um to do something like um uh, so like multiple engineering or to do with like aerospace and things like that. We were given those minds to be able to navigate those things 
very well, and we can see how um, how God, how great God is in the fact that we can, you know, the house that you live in, somebody had to study to put that together. The car you drive, somebody had to study to do that. The fact that you have a mobile phone, somebody had to study to do that. But then when we come to our spirituality or our Christianity, that we think, oh, we'll leave our brains at the door and then we'll just focus on a spiritual experience. I think there has to be this balance of you sharpen your mind as well as sharpen the spirit. So, yeah, it's that's the only thing with Simigos of that. Um, she's obviously stuck a uh, stick in the sand saying, you know, this is where we are. And everybody on the side is like, and I guess those on the other side um, are doing the same. But I thought it would be interesting to just put that out there, that there is this extreme, but then there's obviously bad sides to, to both. Yeah. I said the glory is increasing tonight. I said the glory is increasing tonight. So real repentance. One of my wisdom nuggets, I've been saying this for years, is that the first thing that I do before I pray is God, wash me. If there's anything that I've done, cleanse me, purify me. I don't want to be nasty. Show me my nasty. Show me my iniquity. Show me anything that grieved the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I love the Holy Spirit. I don't want to do anything that grieves the Holy Spirit inside of me. I don't want to say anything. I don't want to go into conversations that grieve the Holy Ghost. So repentance is key. Close your eyes right now. Some of you just need to enter into repentance. Just enter into repentance. Say, God, anything that's in my life that doesn't reflect your holiness and righteousness, I want you to take it out. I want you to take out lustful desires. I want you to take out my desire to fit in with the culture. I want you to show me how to be distinguished. I want you to show me how to live a life filled with your glory. Let's keep going. Go with me to Isaiah 6. Oh, my God. Okay, I'm just going to turn to Isaiah 6 quickly. The good thing is it's actually using scripture. Um, I heard a, I can't even call it a sermon, <laughs> uh, but there was like a talk that I listened to which I read. There was literally just no scripture and no hope, no nothing. It's literally just like, we talk about these things, the, you know, this is how the world is. You just have to accept it and move on. Um, I have to give her a due, like there has been a lot of problems going through, but at least she's using scripture to some degree. So I just really teach until his presence comes in so strong that I can't do anything. And God has guaranteed me that there are going to be more angels present tonight than we've had in any month that I've been up here. And just as I said, oh my God, there were about six angels that just flew in. Uh, red flag. I'm just going to say red flag. Because when his glory comes in, things happen that don't normally happen. Go with me, Isaiah 6. 
Isaiah 6 and 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting up on a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings, with twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. Oh my God, more just flew in the room. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Can I tell you what's about to happen tonight? When that glory came in, it said the door move. Now you know doorposts are not supposed to move. That, was, that means when the glory comes in, things in your life that weren't supposed to move all of a sudden have to move. I'm talking about when the glory of God comes in, something supernaturally happens that defies natural logic. We're living in a time where we have medicine, we have logic, we have education, but we don't have the supernatural. And the supernatural is not supposed to make sense because it defies logic, it defies thinking, it defies everything and God is saying that that hard thing in your life it's gonna stop it there because I think the only reason why she's used Isaiah 6 is because of the seraphims but she's talked about angels talked about angels more of coming to the room and then she talks about seraphims um I mean I and I guess angels is a completely different thing but I don't she's not got the authority I would say and I don't even think it's battled by scripture like Paul White did this thing where it's just like you know I'm taking um, I'm taking angels from uh, from Africa and things like that to do this thing for this specific purpose. So you haven't got the authority to do that. These seraphims only answer to one person, and that is to Yahweh. We don't have the I think it's rather audacious to think that we can have all, um, control over those sorts of things. Um, so I'm hoping that she might, like, you can read through Isaiah, like it's... <sighs> I guess obviously something that's happening specifically for Isaiah, like he has a specific purpose that God has appointed him to, um, and these things are happening to him for a specific reason. Um, I guess you'd only have to look through the rest of Isaiah to, to kind of understand what's going on. But if she's using it purely, and I feel like she is because of how she's um, connected the two, if she's using it specifically to say that, oh, you know, um, the angels sort of thing, um, then I think she's mangled the text in that sense. Um, so yeah, I'll just continue on to see where she's going. The thing that you've been praying for, the thing that you've been fasting for, the thing that you've been saying, God, this is not moving for me. God said, in this glory, it shall move. I said, God says, in this glory, it shall move. The thing in your life that hasn't moved, it shall move. The thing in your life that the doctor says, sit down. I talked a lot about a situation that I have with a baby, miscarriage. And what most people didn't know was that God showed me that something was wrong with my womb. And in my prayer room, when that glory came in, there were angels that came to sew my womb back together. This was confirmed by the doctors, by the way. 
And I was not supposed to be able to have another baby. I don't know where Judy is, but y'all saw him early. But when I tell you, when that glory comes in, the things that the doctor said, Esther, the things that people say will never happen, the things that your boss said, the things that you said you can't get because you don't have the education. I just heard God saying, I don't care if you went to college, you shall have a six-figure job. I don't care if you went to college, you shall make millions. God is saying, things in your life that, is not, that shouldn't make any logical sense. God said what I'm about to do in here tonight would defy the generations in your bloodline. People have said your family is not supposed to be wealthy. God said you should defy everything that the enemy said that you cannot have. Okay, so is she going into prosperity gospel territory now? Again, she's using the angels thing. We already know that's a red flag. Is she using prosperity gospel things here? Um, I'm going to put my neck on the line and say that she is like, cause does God promise like, there's nothing wrong with accumulating capital. I'm not a problem with that. I think, um, like you can see it in the Bible, but, um, it's like something I mentioned on the Sunday school. There's this quote from, um, um, AW Tosin. I'm hoping I'm saying his name correctly. It's just because I haven't got the notes next to me. Um, but it's like what you win them with is what you win them to. If you're telling people that God wants you to have this six-figure job, they're going to come to Jesus for that six-figure job. But when they don't get it, what happens to their faith? That's very, 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 very dangerous. It's just like, it's we're, again, we're penduling, penduling. Like there's things that she said so far that are things you can certainly take away. You certainly can apply in the scripture consistent and then get these things next to it. It's just like, oh, well, actually, you know, that's, how did you get to get to that? And I'm hoping that these guys in the audience, though I don't think they are, are discerning between the two, um, the two swings of this pendulum. It's like they're just accepting everything because of the authority that she has um, and the fact that she's using the word and these things. It's just like, you know what, God, because this is our prophetess, she's given directly from God and these are the things that he, want, um, he wants to tell us. It's very dangerous, very, very, very dangerous. Um, so it is a case you just you have to be very mindful, and you can get very exhausting, very, very exhausting doing this. But I think it's 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 helpful in our Christian walk to be able to discern between the two. Why? Because the kabod not just means weight, but it also represents wealth. I told you I was going to continue my encounter when I had that encounter today in the kabod glory of God fill in the room into my room came an angel and I've had many financial angels come into my room but this angel God spoke to me and said this is the angel of wealth oh dear there we go like again financial angels angels of wealth I don't can she explain that scripturally is she able to exegete and draw out you know the historical context behind it all I don't think she could because it's not there, but she's saying it anyway. Because part of Kabod is wealth. And I'm telling you, as that glory is increasing tonight, that same portion shall be yours. God says you shall finance the kingdom. You Come on. Oh, y'all don't sound crazy. 
I'm talking about the full manifestation of his glory, where not only is your body healed, but your bank account is too. Not only is your body healed, but your marriage is too. Yeah, prosperity gospel. This is essentially where we're going. Ooh, baby to Rachel can join in. I'm gonna let it continue. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna try not to say any more because I think I'd just be repeating myself. But um, yeah. Healing angels just came in here. Deliverance angels just came in here. Angels are prosperity. I'm talking about the full measure of God's glory is about to enter into this room right now. The full measure of God's glory is about to inhabit this place. I'm talking about some of you are about to scream and wail and flip and run and scream and flip and bend and break and flip and spin and run and crop and wail for the weight of his glory. I said the weight of God, the weight of his glory is increasing. I said Again, it's, uh, why, it, we're drawing up into, essentially into hysteria. Nothing what she said is consistent with scripture at this point now. Um, But everyone's just going on along with it, and it's 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 saddening because she's almost exploiting the the needs or the desires of these people. So she's mentioned Jesus and all these things up until this point, and then it just goes out the window because this is where she wanted to get to. Um, I'll let it continue. I've, I don't want. I think we'll have to start winding up because um, I don't want to, to drag it on a little bit over an hour. But we'll we'll see where it goes with the rest of this. That the weight of his glory is increasing. Come on. Oh my God. Oh. There's a pool right here. Somebody jump in. I said there's a pool right there. Okay, at this point now, people are. I guess oh, the link will be in the description. But people are running around, rolling on the floor. Um, screaming, wailing, things like that. Um, she's pointing just towards the, like their steps going up to the platform that she's on, and she's pointing down into the, um, um, on the ground level where everybody is, and she's saying that there's a pool right there. People need to jump in. I said there's a pool right there. You're not gonna be able to stand up in this pool. I said the glory is increasing. I said the glory is inclusive. The glory. The glory, the glory, the glory, the glory, the 
said the glory is increasing tonight. They're not just in the floor, they're in a pool. There's a time in Jun, Jun where it says the, the angel will come and trouble the waters. In that scripture, it's just one angel. But there's at least 20 angels right there in this pool that are troubling the waters. They are just on the floor. Like literally, they are just on the floor. Um, but again, we're leading on this angels thing again. I don't want to keep repeating myself, but she keeps pushing the point. Um, she keeps pushing the point. I think at this point now we've we've left the bubble behind and we're going into dangerous territory. And everything, oh my God, I wish you all could see them because I've never seen this before, but I see angels striking the pool and as they strike like flames of fire, I strike in the pool. I said, Flames of fire are struck in the and up my cup. And I'm hearing lightnings and thunders. I said the glory is increasing tonight. The reason why you struggle so much in medicine is because God said you will be in a field so rare that it hasn't even been created yet. That's why you're so frustrated. That's why you don't fit. But there's an angel of invention right in front of you. from my mom. And the grief and the pain. God says you are about to have an encounter with my love. I said the glory is in... Okay, so for those who are um they were listening essentially this woman in a purple dress has come up um she's twitching a bit um that obviously the preacher says what she says and then you know you encounter and then she's falling on the floor much like the lady at the start um i guess at this point i probably might say you know might give it like two or three more minutes just to to wind it up but um 
I had not anticipated things going this way at all. Like, I generally thought, like, okay, there might be bits and bobs that we'll disagree with. But um, in terms of, like, how she handled scripture and things like that, like, I had to be, like, even to the point where it's just like, you know what, she's used certain bits really well. Um, then there's certain bits that, you know, are problematic. We can deal with that. And then it's just in the midst of all that, I hadn't even noticed that the turbo was spooling and now it's like a like eighty percent um eighty percent full power and then all things these things are going on. It's just like, oh okay, you've it's kinda of like detracted from the original message with the word. I'm not quite sure when like even in hindsight now how how she was planning on using all that, but I guess she might have been just like proof texting stuff to get to this degree. Um but uh, yeah, I don't even know what to say. Um, but then I know that there's going to be people who might agree with things like this. And um, if that's the case, then Bolo means like the that um, the link to LA to drop comments and stuff are in um, the description of this podcast. But then like can you find scriptural references to back up what she's saying? Like, you know, there's different angels that are, that have different occupations sort of thing. Like, can you find scriptures that back that up? Or is she operating outside of them? I would argue the latter, but um, yeah, I think I'll probably give you, we're at two hours and 50, uh, two hours, four minutes and 25 seconds. I'll probably give it like two more minutes to see where it goes. But I think if, if anything, I think we're probably, it's probably going to continue in this vein, if anything. So, um, yeah. Crazy. One manifestation of God's glory is his fire. That holy fire is in here tonight to burn up every impurity. And not just to burn it up, but to make you on fire. Some of you are about to burn with the zeal of God's house. I said you're about to be consumed with the zeal of God's house. Who wants the zeal of God's house? It says, God, I don't care about anything else. I want you to consume. I want to be consumed with the zeal. I want to be consumed. Oh, somebody catch it. Somebody catch it. Somebody catch it. Somebody catch it. I said, holy fire. If you want that fire, I dare you to come step in this pool. I dare you to come take a take a stand in this pool. Okay, uh, the only thing I would say, again, it's just in regards to fire. Um, yes, when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, shoulders, you know, tongues of fire um, above the heads of the apostles. But then, generally, when it comes to fire, it's usually a judgment or destruction sort of thing. Like um, John the Baptist, for instance, he said, you know, um, I baptize 
with water, but the one who's coming after me, who I'm not even worthy to untie the the um, the sandals of, he'll come with and baptize with the Holy Spirit. So to immerse him in the Holy Spirit, but then also um, he'll immerse those as others in fire. It's very like judgment sort of thing as well. Um, and I think that probably outweighs the. It's probably yeah, it's probably loftier than the ones that she's referencing now. Um, so yeah, I would say it's almost like dangerous to, but 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 then at the, like this point, people are like convulsing on the floor and things like that. So it's it's like even me trying to continue this now doesn't feel right. Um, and I can't even. So yeah, she's she's used the word yes, she's used it in context. Partly is this thing is that she said that you can certainly carry away by all means definitely with regards to things like repentance and things like that. Um, but then there's it it comes those little nuggets then come with this deluge of things that are very questionable, um, extra biblical or. Um, things that I would probably encourage not to, to replicate and things like that. So, um, yeah. I'm not even sure whether I want to let this continue. Because, um, I mean, the entire thing is there's another 50 minutes on the back of this. Um, I mean, I don't think there's anything else that probably drag from this. I mean, like scrubbing through, there's more people on the floor covered by um, by more modesty cloths. Uh, it looks like it kind of goes into worship because the family's back on the stage. She um, might not be too far off the end, to be fair. Might not be too far off the edge, but then it's just like, what else are we going to walk into? Because I think it's like another five minutes or so. Yeah, what else are we going to walk into in that case? So, like, if you want, I guess you want to see, um, by all means, you can watch the full thing without the commentary. But um, I think it's probably best that we leave this here. Um, and I hope this has, in some way, been. Um, interesting or beneficial to yourselves. Um, we do have two more lined up. Um, and I might try to see if I could pull out a few more for myself from different like sort of denominations and things like that. Um, this one just came up randomly. So I thought, oh, you know, might be one to start with because it might be quite interesting and uh, <laughs> I hadn't anticipated it being like this because I hadn't, um, it's not something I pre-watched. Um, uh, I think it would be good to do some others with other people involved, so at least then it's more well-rounded, because it would be good to um, target some other, in some instances, target some of the preachers that, say, like, the, the youth are listening to, so say, like, the Mark Todds and the Stephen Furtick's and things like that, that would be people that we've mentioned, but then also to um, compare them to what could be considered more biblically faithful preachers. Uh, or biblically consistent preachers and see what we can learn from them um, as well. So 
So uh, again, I thank you guys for enduring this part two. Um, yeah, I don't know what to say. Um, it probably is a sour tasting mouth as much as it does mine. Um, we've got like Christian motives and things like that. Yeah, kind of rocked me to the core. I'm not gonna lie. Um, yeah, and I guess until the next one, you guys take care and God bless.